everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks. Girls hit you hallelujah. Girls hit you hallelujah. Girls hit you hallelujah. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Saturday night and we in the spot. Don't believe me, just watch. All right, guys. Uh, this is week number six. Do I have that right? Of the Softy Hawk Blogger podcast. I think I do. And even if I don't, it really doesn't matter because we're talking Seahawk football every week, win, lose, or buy, which the Hawks have this week. No game on Sunday. Uh, a big rest after a 16-10 win against the Rams on Sunday. The Giants are playing, I believe, Denver. So they're looking squarely at 0-6 before the Hawks come to town at MetLife Stadium next weekend. But uh, this podcast does not work without me. And it doesn't work without Hawk blogger Brian Nemhauser, who's with us on the phone. What's happening, pal? Hey, Softy. It's good to hear from you, man. It, it is really good to be heard. Uh, it beats the alternative. But let's talk about, first of all, before we talk about next weekend's game and the bye coming up, obviously, and what we want to see the Hawks get done before they play, uh, before they play the Giants next weekend. Thoughts on a 16-10 win over the Rams on Sunday? I think you and I were both super thrilled with just the victory itself. Obviously, as the days go by, you can nitpick and talk about some issues they had on offense, maybe even some issues they had on defense. But uh, I felt like going in, this was a, a bigger game for the Hawks than it was for the Rams in a lot of ways because the Hawks lose that game and they're staring at a four-game deficit uh, right in the face, at least a three-game deficit. Uh, the Rams lose the game, and they're tied with the tiebreaker in Seattle. But this just felt like a much a much more needed win for the Hawks than it did for L.A. Do you buy that? I uh, well, I definitely agree. It was it was a huge win for the Seahawks. I, I don't know if it was more needed for them than than the Rams. I guess you could argue that because the Rams had the better record, but. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this was huge. I mean, it felt like multiple games because not only do you get a win on the road against a division opponent who has just been a thorn in your side every step of the way, but you you now know that you get to have that team at home later this year. So it really does feel like more than one game that they won last week. Well, you were 2-2 two and two going in. Rams are 3-1. and one. So if you drop it, you're 2-3, and three and they're 4-1. and one. That's a two-game lead in the division and the tiebreakers in Los Angeles. That's three games right there. Okay? Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's, not a, that's not a significant, massive hole that you can't get out of, but it's starting to kind of go that way to look like a pretty big hole that would make life a lot tougher on the Hawks in the final 11 games of the year. So I think it was a it was a bigger win for the Seahawks than it was a loss for the Rams. And what I loved about it, and we talked about this last week, that look at the teams the Rams had played before that game. They hadn't exactly faced, you know, murderer's row of defenses in the NFL, and they finally faced a real defense, and look what happens. 
Well, and and it's nice to know that the Seahawks are a real defense. I know that yeah. sounds a little bit yeah. crazy, but they hadn't really proven that yet. Uh, and there have been some, some pretty disturbing trends. Even the first half against the Colts was not particularly encouraging. And to see them come out and play, I would argue, their best defensive game in, you know, at least a year, uh, it was great. I mean, the amount of times they had to continually force the Rams out because the offense could not put the game away, and we can talk about that, and sure, the offense should have played better, and we can be upset about that, and whatever, but this is supposed to be the NFL's best defense. If the Seahawks want any chance of winning something big, the Seahawks defense has to be the best unit yeah. in the NFL period. Right. right. And they looked pretty dang close to that on on uh, Sunday. I don't know if you know this Softy, but that was the first time that they had had five takeaways in a game mm. since 2013. Yeah, crazy. It hasn't been happening that much. Yeah, I don't know if they have to be the best defense in the NFL, but I think both of us are on the same page that they have to at least be pretty damn close to that and they have to lead the way. Bottom line, you know, we made the analogy last week to when you were a kid in your home with your younger brother or whatever, and your parents go out of town for the weekend. Hey, uh, your older brother is the responsible one, right? He's the one that's in charge because he's the one that's supposed to be the mature one. He's the one that's supposed to be the leader. Well, this defense is the highest paid unit in the NFL. It's the highest paid defense in the National Football League by, I think, a fairly large margin. So if that's going to be the case and you're going to have eight Pro Bowlers, including Averill on the defensive side of the ball, uh, I need them to lead the way. I, I need them to set the tone. I need them to be the responsible older brother and in some ways maybe even babysit the offense. I mean, look, in 2015, as you know, the second half of the year, the offense took off and had that incredible finish. I don't know if I see that happening again this year. I don't know if I see a running back that anybody really trusts right now to be a 20-plus carry guy. I mean, Brian, they've played five games this year, and they've only had one game where a running back has carried the ball 20 times or more, and that was Chris Carson. I think in the Niner game, maybe it was the Colt game. I'm not sure which one it was, but he's hurting. Now. So there literally is nobody healthy on this football team that has carried the ball more than 12 times in a game in the first third of the of the 2017 season. So they've got all kinds of issues over there. I mean, Russell Wilson was 5 for 10 for 40 yards in the second half. The Hawks had, what, 60 yards of offense total in the second half of the game against the Rams. I, I just need this defense, and maybe it's unfair Maybe you're asking too much, and maybe at some point in time they'll wear down because of it, but i got to have these guys lead the way every single Sunday. Everything this team does has got to start with them. Yeah, there's just no doubt about it. And and in general, um, if you look back at Super Bowl champion teams, um, one of the things that's a, a truism is that they feature at least one of their units, one of the sides of the ball, is the best in the NFL overall. And I'm not saying that they're the best offense or the best defense. I'm talking about yeah. they're the most dominant side of the ball in football. You know, the Patriots offense was arguably the best, you know, unit overall in football last year. The Falcons offense was probably right there with them. And, you know, when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, their defense was the best overall. It was way better than obviously the Broncos offense that year, which was another dominant unit. And so I think this defense has got what it takes to to challenge for for that, especially because I was talking with some other folks, Softy. This just the the bar isn't as high as it was a few years ago. There isn't a team. I mean, even the Chiefs, who look great, you know, you can't tell me that Alex Smith is sending shivers down your spine in the middle of a a, a playoff championship moment. So I think that that you know, and the Patriots have huge problems on defense. So. 
I think the Seahawks have to get to average, to a little bit above average on offense. And, and the way I kind of put it on, on Twitter the other day is, look, this, this team was 0 for 8 in their first eight quarters in terms of putting a good offensive quarter together. Mm-hmm. But if you take the second half of the Titans game, the second half of the Colts game, and the second quarter of the Rams game, now you got five of the last 12 quarters that I think were good to great offense. So you're going from 0 for, 0 for 8 to, to almost 500. You know, if they, can, if they can get, they could start getting to where they're three quarters of a game oh, where they're, they're a, a productive offense. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that defense is going to be plenty good enough for them to win a lot. Hey, I, I totally understand what you're doing. Okay. I mean, obviously, yeah, and you made the point right there that you're not asking for a lot from the Hawk offense. It's, it's, I've made the analogy before to when the Mariners did have good pitching before everybody got hurt, uh, you're asking the offense, hey, just don't suck. Okay. Just, just don't be terrible, all right? You want to be average, then be average. You want to be mediocre, then be mediocre um, because your pitching is that good. So I, I get what you're saying about the defense, but my God, our standards are so low for them right now for that offense. Yeah. I mean, they really are, dude. You're kidding me. I you're know. like, you're, I mean, you're about ready to throw a party because they're, you know, five for their last 12 or whatever it is. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a party, but it's certainly progress, right? And and well, so you, you know, know what, uh, Brian? It's like I mean, you've got kids. When you sent your kids off to preschool for the first time, it's like, hey, listen, just don't pee your pants, and you'll be fine. Okay, <laughs> that's all I add. Just don't pee your pants or get into a fight. If you can do that, then I'll be well, happy. I can't expect something from them that I can't expect from yeah. myself. Yeah, so true, you know, right, right. forget about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but you get yeah, my point, I, though. Obviously, I do. I do. I do. And and look. You asked a little bit about what's going to come out of this, you know, this bye week and what we might see, see after this. Uh, I haven't been to my, my machine lately to take a look, but, uh, you know, I think Brandon Albert, the last I heard from Bob Condota, was still in town. He's in town, um, right? He's, as of now, I heard about an hour ago he was still here. All right. So I think that's interesting. I, you know, I know that they've been, they've been hunting around Dwayne Brown and seeing what can happen there. And if it's going to happen, Softy, this is when it's going to happen. Schneider and Carroll, they're looking at their, their team, they're self-scouting, they're figuring out what they're going to do for the second half of the year. Uh, Dwayne Brown's coming out of his holdout. He's going to have to do that soon in order to get his year um, uh, accrued on his contract. Right, right. And so this is coming to a head. And look, I think that if they can add, it doesn't have to be a good left tackle, but if they can add a competent left tackle, um, then the offense could actually, the whole thing could get lifted up quite a bit. I think, I think their left tackle situation is that bad right now where just a decent left tackle could, could mean a lot. Well, how does a 5-2 and two team look to you on paper? Does that feel okay, 5-2? and two? Can you breathe at 5-2 and two after seven games? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, because you yeah. got the Giants and the Texans in the next two games, and the Texans are at home, and they just lost J.J. Watt, and they're already down Brian Cushing. And yeah, Deshaun Watson looks great, but he still is a rookie quarterback coming to the clink for the very first time. There's no reason why this football team should not be five and two. Agreed? I go as far as six and two because I really don't think highly of the Cardinals, and I think they're going to go into Arizona. They haven't had a lot of trouble playing there in the past. I think that's a win. Okay, I mean at six and two, you feel pretty damn good. You kidding me? At six and yeah. two, you feel great, don't you? Sure, you, you know, and then but then we've got we've got we still got the Falcons and the Eagles and at Jaguars and uh, but two of those three Cowboys. are here. Two of those three are here. And you know what? Spare me the Cowboys stuff, okay? I'm not buying it. <laughs> okay, the Cowboys are awful. Look at what the Cowboy defense has done, and like in I I think in their three losses they've allowed. Uh, honestly, have you seen this? It's like 110 points in their three games yeah. they've lost. Their defense yeah. is putrid, man. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this <laughs> you and I are trying to trade in places in the Come same. Come yeah. I'm being I, Mr. You know, Homer look. here, and you're being Mr. Skeptical. What the hell's going on? <laughs> look, I, I'm still trying to figure this team out, and and I think we all are. And I, I see a team that until that offensive line finds find some level of stability, um, it's going to be really hard to predict game in game out. I, I mean, this Rams defense was you know, the worst or one of the worst in the NFL going into that game. I think you and I both knew it was going to be a struggle no matter what the numbers said because that defensive line was just going to destroy our offensive line. And so, you know, you look on down the line and you know, the Eagles and the Jaguars, they got pretty good defenses. And, it's you know, this, this offensive line is going to have to take big steps in order for those to be winnable games, even if it's at home. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I think – the Cowboys offense, they'll most likely have their running back back at that point. It's still a challenging team on the road. So they've got some things to do. and They've already got two losses. If we want any hope of having um, two home field games, uh, or at least one, uh, you know, only having to go on the road once before a Super Bowl, we've got to look at 12 wins. And they, they can only lose two more times the rest of the year to, to accomplish that. No, I totally agree. I mean, it's been uh, to get the number one seed, the average number has been 13, uh, it seems yep. like, every year. And as you said, you want to have at least a couple of games or a game at home. You're looking at 12 wins. Uh, I mean, Carolina is going to be good. The Eagles are going to be good. The Packers are going to be good. The Falcons are going to be good. So I agree with you that there's a lot of parity in the NFL, going back to what you talked about about Kansas City. And I'm I'm with you. And I talked about this with Mike yesterday, Holmgren, that maybe it's just a – I remember the Alex Smith days in San Francisco, and I'm having a hard time imagining that guy starting a Super Bowl for anybody. And their right. defense, I mean, the Chiefs' defense has had some of their own issues as well. Got a hard time giving up or not giving up explosive plays uh, on defense. So I think they can be had at some point. But there may not be one real dominant, obvious, absolutely better than anybody else team out there in football. But whatever that second tier is right behind it, it feels like there's five or six teams on that level. You agree with that? I do agree with that. And, and you know, the Chiefs are far and away the best team right now. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They're the most complete. You know, they're balanced on offense. I think the highest passer rating, the highest yards per carry. Um, <laughs> do you know who's leading the NFL in yards per carry, by the way? Uh, well, is it the rookie, Hunt? It's Alex Collins. Okay, but how many carries has he had? <laughs> he has enough. He's he's like eight, over eight yards a carry last time I checked. How I mean, many carries a, compared to the other guys at the top of the list? Because you always do this. He does not have as many carries, okay. but if you'd yeah. like to know, I will uh, I will look him up real quick. But point being, yeah, the Chiefs have a really good offense, and um, and he has 37 carries for 261 yards and a 7.1 yard Come average. Come on, Brian. 37 <laughs> carries? Okay. Really? Hey, <laughs> you know, uh, you want to know how much uh, Eddie Lacy has on 37 carries? <laughs> well, I know he hasn't carried the ball more than 11 times in at least in a game, and he's missed two games either because he was inactive or didn't play. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Would you? Eddie Lacy's got 25 carries for 74 yards and three yards of carry. So okay, so let yeah, me ask I you this: 7.1 yards of carry looks pretty good on any amount of carries. But would you, would you rather have Collins over anybody else on the roster right now in Seattle? Uh, over Eddie Lacy, probably. Would yeah. You, would you take I him mean, over Rawls? No, okay. I wouldn't. I, I still like. Look, I, I, I don't know if you saw what I saw, but but 
it, I, I think Rawls was really close on a few runs last Agreed. week. There was totally. holes that I thought he was going to come out the other side and yep. just didn't quite get there. And I don't think they let him get in any sort yeah. of rhythm. Right. Yeah. And they, he needs to be in there more. I don't think he can be a 20 carry a game guy, though. He's just not durable enough. So if they can get him 12 to 15 carries and complement him with Lacey and, you know, Procise for however long he's in there and, and McKissick, it's fine. And, McKissick's a guy that I, I really think, you know, I think he showed again in that game. He can be a big addition if they can get him the ball. I mean, uh, if uh, Tanner McAvoy is not the one throwing it to him. Yeah, that was bad. That was really bad. But uh, you go back to the Rawls thing uh, against the Rams on Sunday. I saw the same thing against the Titans. I thought he was close to getting into a rhythm, and they yank him. You know, yeah. I. I just don't understand what their philosophy is with the run game right now. Uh, unless there's something happening with Rawls that maybe he's not as healthy as they claim he is and he's just not ready yet to take that next step. But it almost looked like, and maybe it was just my mind playing with me because I was hearing my own voice in my head, that he was a little bit frustrated, Thomas was, that he wasn't getting into more of a rhythm. And I'm He looked very frustrated. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you a thousand percent on that. And it's the second time we've seen it where he'll go for five, six yards on back-to-back carries, and then he's on the bench and he's picking his nose i'm like what are you doing ride the yeah. guy come on i mean yeah look uh, if there's anybody on the roster now who can do it it's thomas rawls there's no question about it uh i don't know why they just don't rip off the band-aid and start giving this guy 18 19 carries a game right now because you know what dude to get to where they want to go they're gonna have to yeah i mean i'll go back to what i said before i think they the re- part of the reason is they know they've seen it before even when he before his injury Whenever he goes to 20 carries in a game, the guy doesn't practice the next week. He's just it, it's he, his body is not built for it, and and so I think they've seen that time and again, and I I just think his top top is 15 carries in a game um, on any kind of regular frequency. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I think that's what they've seen and that's what they're being careful about. And look, they they still have a bunch of running backs and. I still like Mike Davis on the practice squad if they need to. I mean, he showed a lot in preseason, a lot of burst and a lot of effort that, uh, you know, at some point he may be a better option than some of the guys they have on the roster right now. So I do think they have a lot of opportunity there. um, But along the way, Russell Wilson has got to be reliable. You know, I'm not saying he's got to be perfect when he's getting rushed all around, but he can't throw those red zone interceptions. I think one of the things that drove me crazy this week is the whole conversation was around how, how amazing it was that he ran back and tackled the guy. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He threw an, a terrible interception in the red zone. Like, yeah. he cannot be the problem if this team wants to go anywhere. He just can't be. He has to be a reliable, fixed, constant for this team, and he just hasn't been that yet this season, and he's got to step that up as well. Well, you can't have your highest-paid player uh, going five for ten for forty yards in the second half of a divisional game, right? I mean, he's yeah. got to he's got to just be more of an impact player. He's got to have more of an effect on the game. Uh, he's got to be a playmaker. And you know, look, I, I mean, the offensive line isn't helping at times. The lack of a running no. game isn't helping at times. Uh, the wide receiver core at times lets him down. But I thought they were better in the game on Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, he's he he's. I don't know. Maybe we're asking too much out of him. Maybe we're asking him to be Superman. Maybe there is a marked difference between him and the Brady's and Breezes and Rogers of the NFL right now. I, I, I've been saying it all week long. I think he's got to take off and run more. You know, this whole idea that when he rolls out, he looks to throw before he looks to run. Uh, to hell with that. If there's, if there's yardage available and if there's grass to be had, then go get it. 
Go get I it. I mean, Brian, I still think, and maybe you disagree with me, I still think the number one, the best thing the Seahawks offense does right now is the legs of Russell Wilson. That's the best weapon. You can talk about Jimmy Graham's height. You can talk about Doug Baldwin's route running. Uh, you can talk about, uh, I don't know, uh, Tyler Lockett's speed, whatever. The legs of Russell Wilson, I still think, are the biggest weapon the Seahawks offense has. Well, you know what's interesting about that, Softy? Am I wrong on that, by the way? uh, I think that's – I would go towards Doug Baldwin's route running as being more dominant than Russell Wilson's legs, but – but it's quibbling. I mean, I think really what I've heard a lot is why they're not doing the read zone, which has been a staple, is because, you know what, uh, they need the, the running back to be a threat in order to leave Russell open to run. And I feel like, to your point, they actually need the opposite right now. Russell's legs are a threat, and the running backs need him to draw some defense and have one less defender there to go after the running back. So I wish they would look a little bit more at the read zone. Um, it might mean that Russell gets hit a little bit, but he's already getting hit a lot. But I would love to see uh, the running backs in, in that kind of play because that seems to be where they're getting the most space and where the offensive line feels most at home. Yeah. All right, man. Anything else? Uh, any any big time uh, Hawk blogger style specials at Pagliacci? Or sorry, sorry, Always. Pa- Pagliacci. So, yeah, you want to mention Monday through Thursday? It's constant for everybody, and everyone seems to be enjoying it. Uh, buy an eleven inch pizza, any kind. Get a second eleven inch for free just by using code Hawk blogger. So uh, use it online. Use it on on uh, over the phone. Or just walk straight up to the, the desk and ask for it, and, and you, you'll get some free pizza. It's a good deal. I love it. All right, man. We'll talk next Friday. We'll kind of do a little preview of the uh, the Giant game. Are we rooting for them, by the way, uh, against Denver Saturday, Sunday, or, or do you have any problem with a 0-6 wounded animal? I mean, 1-5 oh. versus 0-6, does it really matter to you? Some, some guys will say, hey, you know what? I'd rather have them win a game. You know, so they're not all, you know, fired up and angry and maybe desperate, but does it matter really in the end? I don't think it matters, and, and uh, I'm always happy to see Denver lose. I still got AFC West to hate yeah. for those guys. So. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you, man. All right, dude, we'll talk in a week. See you. All right, take care. All right, Brian Nemhauser. Find him on Twitter at HawkBlogger, HawkBlogger.com. And just like Facebook, it's always free and always will be, although I don't think Brian accepts ads from the Russian government on his website. You'll have to ask him. We'll talk next week. See you. Want more great Seahawks talk? Of course you do. Check out the Pedestrian Podcast. It's the official podcast of the UK Seahawkers. Hosted by Stuart Court, Adam Nathan, and Ross Bell. It's fun. It's British. You get accents. You get Seahawks. You get football. It's definitely worth it. They're at pedestrianpodcast.podbean.com, or you can find them on iTunes. Check them out.